You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I'm so excited about this episode. It's taken a lot to get my next guest on the show. It's my favorite guest of all time for a return visit, favorite person of all time, but it is not an easy deal to get her on. Today we're gonna talk about some really poignant, important, timely information about relationships and about relating to each other right now in a world that is, like if we're talking about stranger things, this is the upside down, right? The world is very, very different right now, um, but it's also ripe with opportunity and lessons to be learned. So I'm really excited about this conversation. And she's been with me since the beginning. She's been with me when I lived in a bachelor apartment. I call it a bachelor apartment, it sounds better. In Ferguson, Missouri, mattress on the floor. Uh, I didn't even have a dresser. I kept my clothes in like a little plastic bin. You know, it's just like super scrounging it and just getting by. But she came into my life and she stuck around and it's just been so rewarding for both of us, I hope, you know, she'll share some of that today, but uh, just a lot of lessons to be learned. And even then, we're finding a way to stretch a dollar, finding a way to make things happen. I didn't even have a cell phone when we first met. And so uh, she encouraged me to get a cell phone so she could stay in touch with me or maybe keep tabs on me, I don't know. But even then, it's just like, you know, this is back when we had cell phone minutes. Do you remember having minutes? And then it's just like after 8 p.m., you get the unlimited. So it was like, I'll call you back after eight. Once you see your minutes start to go up, I went over those minutes too many times. I know a lot of other people feel my pain. Uh, but that unlimited after nine, you know, uh, it was one of those things that just finding little creative ways to make things happen. And part of building financial success and kind of getting out of that condition that I was in, that I grew up in, it's not just making income, it's also finding a way to be creative with saving because oftentimes there are, there are different ways that we can uh, procure things that we enjoy. And for me specifically, I'm a big, I'm a foodie, right? Foodies become this popular term, but I definitely am a foodie. I'm an enjoyer of food and a variety of different things. But even then, when I met her, she knew that I would invest a lion's share of my income into food and buying organic food and buying these like weird herbs and berries and things like that, that a lot of people didn't know about back then, you know, buying goji berries like, you know, 16 years ago. And they weren't readily available at your favorite, you know, even your favorite health food store. But today we have so much opportunity to save money, to do things differently because a lot of organizations have upped their game and we win once we have the, you know, that the competition of markets take place. And one of those companies that my wife and I both know has saved us so much freaking money. Even this year so far, we've already saved hundreds of dollars is Thrive Market. So Thrive Market is a curator and supplier of all of your favorite organic, non-GMO, just whatever nutrition label you subscribe to, whether it's paleo, keto, uh, vegetarian, vegan, whatever it is, they've got everything curated in categories and some of the very best products from some of the very best companies. But here's the catch. You get it at 25 to 50% off the retail price that you would find in stores like Whole Foods or local kind of mom and pop health food stores. You save so much on the same exact things. And I know that she feels the same way. We literally kick ourselves when we spend money 
extra money, paying extra when we forget to order from Thrive Market. We just did it for my favorite paleo spicy chipotle mayo. All right, we just, we ran out because we didn't reorder from Thrive Market and ended up spending more money. All right, so we've got this Primal Kitchens chipotle mayo, they have that. Some of the other things we get from there are you know, chia seeds. We get bars and granola bars and things like that for the kids. We get our coconut oil, you know, cooking spray. They got like avocado oil cooking spray. So many cool things, 25 to 50% off. Now here's another big thing about Thrive Market. They're also always dedicated to finding a way to serve the community. And it's just tied into their company mandate. So in the midst of COVID, and this entire experience where a lot of folks, millions of people have lost their jobs or their ability to make income. And Thrive Market has raised about half a million dollars already to help families in need. And so when you buy from Thrive Market, you're also investing in supporting our communities as well. So definitely pop over and check them out. It's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. That's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. And they also have two different membership options now. So you can get a membership to suit your own lifestyle. And you're gonna to wanna to keep this membership because it just keeps paying it forward over and over again, saving you money and helping our community as well. Again, they've got organic curated foods from the very best companies. They've got safe, non-toxic beauty and healthcare items, home supplies and cleaning products. So many cool things. Head over and check them out. It's thrivemarket.com forward slash model health. And now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Amazing by Angela Stubbs. This podcast is by far the best I've ever listened to. I love how Sean gives very helpful, practical, and useful information every episode that I can apply to my life right away. He's so energetic and fun as well that he makes you seriously excited about making your health a priority. Thank you, Sean, for all you do to educate others about these very important and often underrated topics. Awesome. Thank you so much, Angela. I appreciate that immensely. That brought a big smile to my face today. And everybody, thank you so much for leaving me those reviews over on Apple Podcasts. It means so very much. If you've yet to do so, please pop over there and leave a review for the show. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Ann Stevenson, and she's my wife. <laughs> I'm so grateful to have her on. She is also the project manager for our company. She helps to manage our team. She helps to make me look decent, and she's just such a force for good and an amazing human being on every single level. I was just saying this last night. We were just laying around. I was like, everybody wants to be your friend, you know, and just kind of just that that vibe and that truth. And if you hear her story, she'll be like, she'll tell you how she didn't have friends, you know, when she moved to America from Kenya when she was 12. Uh, but thankfully that story led her to me and I get to, you know, uh, reap the benefits of having such an amazing person in my life. And on that note, I'd like to welcome Ann Stevenson to the show. What's up, baby? Hi. <laughs> thank you for coming back on the show. Why, thank you. Yeah. It, We'll just be honest right now. It took it took a lot to it get did. you on. A lot of deals. Yeah, a lot of deals were made. And I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> well, baby, listen, I know that you haven't really got to share this. A lot of folks obviously listening, uh, our amazing model health family all over the place has gotten to, to hear my perspective and all this crazy stuff has been going on with our world, you know, with 
the quarantine and with, you know, the civil unrest going on. So how's it been like for you uh, this year? Like, what has this year been like? I know this kind of started off with me getting injured and right. you taking care of me. Uh, so how, how's this year, year been for you? What kind of, has this kind of been like a learning experience for you? I mean, it's been easy. It's been free for, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, what's funny is we went into the new year, you know, obviously for my birthday and going to New York and just having an amazing time and thinking that, okay, you know, this is going to be an epic year. Uh, cut to... A week later and you basically being out on commission and it was very challenging I think other than of course just the worry and not knowing like how you what's really going on with you but I think for me was I knew you are always the person who is who has all the answers like you're the person we go to for our family. Everybody knows go to Sean. And now you were not there in a sense. I had to figure out everything and all the questions and, you know, making the decisions of um, just even for your health, for example, or trying to figure out where to go for the physical therapy and, you know, and all of these things at the same time, you know, having to manage the boys and the food and, um, so it was very, very, very intense. Um, <laughs> I guess like I thought I was a super power, super woman person then, but you know, it's just, it was like a whole new level of showing up. And some days I didn't show up. I just like, just so wanted to cry and I did cry and, you know, just did not know what to do and we had DoorDash, you know, Chipotle <laughs> a lot of days because yeah. everything was just completely out of sort. And I mean, the best thing I can say, and I think you felt the same way, is everything went still. We had to, We it was a hard stop. And thankfully, even our team, everybody really has been so gracious and understanding um, while we were going through all of this. And so it just took time for us to just realize, okay, the universe is telling us to stop <laughs> yeah. and we have to listen. So, so yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's so crazy. Like the quarantine came a couple months after we had really already been quarantined, you know, right, we were like, right. I could we barely walk. So I talked, mentioned it briefly what happened, but I'll definitely, I'm going to do an entire episode talking about it, but I had a nerve blocked all the way down my leg and I could barely walk. I couldn't even dress myself. You had to, is super embarrassing. It's nice when you take my clothes off, but putting my clothes on for me was pretty embarrassing, you know, but, and also just the boys and me being like yeah. their dad. Right. And them seeing me in that state is just like, it's so heartbreaking and difficult, but that's how 2020 kicked off. And then quarantine hit, school shut down, job shut down, you know, society shut down for, for the most part. And now add in t on top of that homeschooling our eight-year-old. Mm -hmm. So what was that experience like? First of all, I always, and you know this, like I was like, no, I'm never going to homeschool. Like I'm too busy and I'm working from home. And I know that I know the amount of time it will take to do that and do this. And no, again, hard stop. I think the whole world, if there's one thing we've realized, it's, We've all been 
<laughs> directed to just stop and listen and examine all the areas of our life in a sense. And, and for me, even with the homeschooling, I was so resistant. I, I felt like it's one more thing added, yeah. you know, not only, okay, it's like for the past, I was already a nurse for the past, you know, three months, you know, and all of a sudden now add being a teacher. Yeah. But the crazy part was luckily you had started getting well and just to see some light at the end of the tunnel in a sense gave me a little bit more courage like okay i can like let go um and i, I don't think like fully express like the worry that i had in my mind all those yeah. every single day and trying to be strong and and all of those things so when i was able to kind of like let go and then COVID happened in quarantine and um the homeschooling quickly turned into um a pleasure i yeah. think we quickly right. realized that wow we actually get to control what my son gets to learn and that actually started to become a joy and then all obviously figuring out our schedule like okay I mean, and it was tough at first because I just thought I'm going to give him his work and I will just like do my own work. No, that did not happen. Matter of fact, he was getting more frustrated. I was getting frustrated because he, he wants to ask me a question. So I can't all the questions. All the questions. So I couldn't try and do my work at the same time trying to teach him. And I think the turning point was when he said something like, when does school start again? Because I want to go back. You know, I don't I don't like being, you know, here at home and learning. And I just felt so bad. I was like, yeah, I am such a horrible teacher. And so it was realizing the fact that I had to restructure my whole days, my whole week and figuring out, OK, 100 percent attention in what he's learning. And then from there, when he has recess, when he finishes with the day, that's when I'm going to get to work or I might even have to work on weekends. And and that's kind of, you know, and it just slowly ended up being a pleasure yeah. and I'm loving it now. And so funny now that we got into the rhythm of homeschooling and then school's <laughs> out. <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah. what? But he's learned so much. I found, I mean, from writing his book with you to just like slowly teaching him other things that are not in his curriculum. Um, just yes, like earlier, was it last week? Just we were learning about Juneteenth and just like going through um, a little bit of history and I get to do that. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was good. I, I like it. Yeah, it's so funny. I think that one of the biggest things was with the homeschooling and then everything was in such a flow and then it stopped, it was, it was an anchor. Mm -hmm. Like our days revolved around that, you right. know, like knowing Braden has these particular things. So, you know, and I think that that's part of the reason that so many people's practices were thrown off, their sleep was thrown off, their relationships were thrown off is because of a loss of our anchors. Mm -hmm. You know, our thing for years, like we get up, take him to school, go to, go the, to the, gym. the gym and then start the day. And then that thing was already turned on its head when I got injured. And then, you know, from there, like you said, you being a nurse for me. And then it, it's so funny 
but it's not. It's like, you look at this as a total coincidence. I started getting better right when the quarantine right. happened. Like right when I can kind of like, I was like peeking my head out of the, of the hole, like what's going on out here? You know, and I felt compelled to like, to do something to serve because I saw what was coming and I saw all the fear and I saw all of the uh, kind of impending doom that was gonna come as people start to separate. Mm-hmm. You know, like physically and then literally as a result. So that's what I want to talk to you about first is like, um, why do you feel relationships have been so stressed during this time period, during the quarantine? So I think this is from what I've observed. And I, I, honestly, I guess it's still a small part and everybody's experience is different. This is just from what I've seen is from the macro perspective of like from uncertainty and people either losing their job or time cut off. Traveling might be part of, pe- part of people's like daily living and um, work. And all of a sudden, all of that is cut off and now you're at home. And, and that's one, but then two is these people have, maybe have had unresolved issues and things around their relationship where you've been able to like mm-hmm. run away in a sense. Um, and not being able to face them. And so not only that, even with the kids, cause I, Ooh, and that was maybe if I, if I would be honest, thinking about homeschooling and it's like, dang, I'm had to be with Brayden like all day. Like, even though he's a great kid and, and all of that, but it's, it's a whole other task. So even in any, with the, all the relationship with kids, <laughs> relationship with, with your partner, it's, the dynamic shifted and then add on to if it's financial struggle or small, if you have a small business and you know, all of that getting shut down, which leads to more uncertainty. So it's, it was like piling upon piling of things. And then you go to the grocery store and the shelves are empty, Mm. you know, (laughs) and you've never, I've never seen that in like all of these years of living, you know, so it's just, what is actually going on? And so all of that coming back into the home and having to face it and and now realizing that you are facing it and thinking, you know, we're going to get back to normal soon. So this leads to the chaos. There's so many pieces there. I didn't think about collectively. Like, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And what we tend to do, I think, is we tend to vent and take it out on the person closest to us. You know, and like you said, um, that instance with me getting injured being an opportunity for us to stop. Right. Everything is stopped for us to focus on what's most important, which obviously health is the most important. If you don't have your health, everything else becomes, you know, just becomes absolutely a, a whole different level of stress. But that's what happened with us. I mean, with the hard stop with your injury, we actually ended up spending way more time. Yeah. We actually talked way more. And the funny part is we are together all the time, but yeah. we had been caught, caught up with the busyness of everything. We were doing the most since we moved to LA. And yeah. there was this and there was that. And there was so much going on. And, and then you had the stress of your work and not having any time for ourselves truly and just to truly connect. So driving you to all these places, 
I just became like a pro in LA traffic. Like I'm so good. I went from being terrified to LA traffic to just being a pro at it because I was driving you over, but we got to actually spend time together and have the conversations which we should have been having for a long time. And we don't even realize that. Yeah, I think, and just, just for everybody, you know, I think it's always important to take a moment, at least maybe once a month, maybe put a reminder on your calendar to just put it on your calendar and, and have the reminder pop up. What is the most important thing in your life? What's most important? The most important thing is us. Everything else is secondary. And if we get away from us, everything else starts to get stressful. And at some point yeah. it's gonna pop off. Like we're gonna have some kind of crazy conflict over something so stupid because we're not taking care of us, our relationship first, mm -hmm. you know? So what I'm picking up is number one, our anchors getting thrown off. Number two, people being faced, forced to face that level of disconnection or the issues that have been simmering under the surface for couples, right? During this time period, it's just like, you don't got nowhere to run. You can't hide. <laughs> it's right here. You, you got to do something about it or you can continue to ignore it. But, you know, we've seen this. There are a lot of relationships that have been in turmoil yeah. during this time. Some relationships have gotten closer, but, you know, in hearing even friendships and especially intimate relationships, and pile on top of that stuff with your kids, like, my kid, I love my kid, <laughs> but get him away from me. You know what I mean? So is that is that all the pieces yeah, that you kind of think? But then also like, the other part of just like, as a society, there is so much uncertainty and then yeah, unemployment. Oh and, and there's some people who really do thrive off um, being around other people like it makes them better in yeah. their relationships right yeah, yeah, and so all of true. a sudden that's cut out where you know this is where they I, I don't know if it's that extrovert or whatever I, you know i don't know these names but they thrive from yeah. the outer relationships and 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 speaking um i, I can think of my um my brother-in-law like he loves to speak and and he's uber driver and he gets to interact with all these different people and all of a sudden you don't have that anymore and now it's just like drawn away from those things and i think it's hard especially your wife's like it's like i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to listen to what you're saying right now where do you get the outlet now you know yeah. so all of those things kind of piling up yeah that's so good so coming out of this lockdown situation what do you think people can learn about maintaining their bond under pressure? Because life is gonna happen. Unwelcomed events are gonna happen, probably not to this degree again, mm -hmm. but we're gonna continue to face things. You know, so what are the, some of the things that we can look forward to doing, especially just learning from this crazy situation, moving forward out of this situation? Um, reminds me that diamond, like diamonds are created, you know, with the pressure. Yeah. I think E.T. said that on yeah, he did. one he of did. the episodes. Um, I didn't know you caught that. I did. <laughs> I mean, I, behind the scenes. Anyways, um, I think one of the things we get to, as we come out of it, is one actually recognizing. Like when we recognize what's actually been going on and how are we defining this time no matter how hard it is like we get to create a meaning for it and I, I think we all if there's one thing we can agree you know there's all whatever all of the things the conspiracies to not and and this is happening what we 
can all say is something is going on and there's a huge shift that's happening. And so how does that affect us? And, and like, and we get to decide, decide and define it. So has this made us weaker? We got to see our weak spots. And so are we willing to fix those? Or are we willing to continue to ignore them? Are we willing to take on a new challenge, have a new vision? I think that's one of the things that we are gonna get yeah. to do, right? Yeah. Is what is our vision gonna be like moving forward? Cause we get to create a new vision. If obviously what was working is, has not been working and that's why we are here in this crazy, 2020 you know situation but it's an opportunity for us to create a new vision of what our relationship looks like with with our with our kids and also with ourselves because it's like something has been lacking like i got to see firsthand how my attention i think with brayden being as independent for example my attention has been a little bit drawn back to myself you know, and, and it, so it's all of these small things that we get to examine or like with being a nurse to you. And actually, I love it. It was great to me because I got to serve, serve you and 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 take care of you because you, you're the one who's always taking care of me and everybody else. And so it was great. So it wasn't like because, um, you know, it, it was like the small things of, you know, bring me your cup of water or adjust this for me or put the ice on your on your on your um, back back in the day it would have been like oh I'm so tired I just need to like why do I need to but now I don't have that like little reservation because it's like I just get up I get to do it I get to do this and I'm grateful that you know you're getting better so it's it's the small things. Yeah, that's so powerful. Like, I think you just got me to remember something else for all of us is to understand our roles at the time. Because in relationship context, we have a role. And mm -hmm. that role is dynamic, though. It's going to change at some point, depending on what's going on in life, depending on what's going on in the context of your relationship, like you just said. And I didn't, I didn't think about that. Me taking care of other people, taking care of you. I just, it feels, that's the most natural thing, you know, because I'm just obsessed with you, as you know, but <laughs> just a way getting up and finding a way, how can I help people to be better, you know, and change the world in my own unique way. Um, but it, the tables turned, it switched. Right. And I felt so bad because my anchor of being that person, that definition of how I saw myself was now suddenly changed. And I was saying the craziest things Oh my things God. Like... I was saying stuff like, you're gonna leave me because whatever, you know, just you, like. Yeah. I mean, you were, basically you had temper, you had lost your mind. <laughs> the best way you can say it. No, but the funny part is, but I got to kind of turn that on within myself where I have, in a sense, been dependent so much on you kind of deciding everything yeah. and I'm gonna step in and, and I know my role, but coming out of this is I get to kind of define a new, my new self where I can delegate. I, I don't need you to ask yeah. like, okay, babe, what do we need to do about X, Y, and Z? I had to kind of build that muscle up of <laughs> decision making and, and not, ha and 
facing the consequences if this stuff works or it doesn't work, I got to to do that more. And it actually feels good. It's a little bit more confidence for myself too. And and finding a new way of being a leader where, you know, if something is to happen to you, I need to be able to just stand and just figure it all out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also I want to give people this example that even the very best of us come upon hard times. Like you said, I temporarily lost my mind. And I knew, like I had the question right there. I saw it and I would ask, you know, what is this trying to teach me? Oh, this hurts so bad. I don't care what it's trying to teach me. You, you know, and I'm like you battling even, that whole thing. No, you didn't even want me to talk anything. No positive. Get <laughs> no the positive. positive what? You know? But, you know, I think, again, we have to allow ourselves that grace. And depending on the circumstance, sometimes that grace period is going to be shorter or longer, but it really boils down to your training, you know, and I've invested many years in kind of cultivating the way that I think. And even my health, if my health wasn't as good as it was when that happened, man, like we was going as we go into all these different specialists and they're doing all the ultrasounds and MRIs yeah. and they're just like, your body is amazing. And you didn't want you know? to hear that. Right. I'm just like, well, then why am I hurt? But <laughs> right. at the same time, they were telling me like, wow, like. One of the guys even asked me to come back and be a model for his students. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I, I was kind of irritated when he said it because I'm like, but I'm, I'm hurt. But at the same time, I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm healthy. There's no other problems. It's this trauma happened, but I'm going to be okay. You know? And so that's another big thing for us to realize that throughout this process, have compassion on yourself, forgive yourself. I went through a, a pretty consistent process of forgiveness for myself. I, I haven't even shared that with you. Even a few mm. days ago, just for even getting caught up in some of the stuff recently and just forgiving myself for it. And also that experience left such a great opportunity of knowing because I was used to being the one who was making the decisions and you know, and now it's like you're taking care of me and I, my identity was shaky. And so, but I, I got to accept that, man, my wife loves me and she's got my back. And there's like degrees of that because it's like, well, she got my back if I'm the man, you know, but it's just so silly the things that we have in our minds, you know, like, and you just demonstrated a whole different level of, of love for me. And also, you know, your mom too. And our kids as well. Mm -hmm. Like Brayden was oh like gosh. helping me walk and, and Jordan was helping me. He was doing so much around the house to like pick up the slack and it's just I know, and I had so to like, blessings. I had to thank him and shout out to Jordan because you know, I just felt I was so consumed in it with just like trying to figure out every day was so different. I mean, it's so funny how everybody nowadays like what's what is today? Is this today Tuesday? We don't even right. care. I mean, we've been experiencing that since like beginning of January. First week of January. And so like that was all gone. But he just really stepped up and from picking up Brayden, taking him to baseball practice, grocery shopping, and just, you know, acknowledging him yeah. for just stepping up like when <laughs> I I need I needed the help. But this also leads to, you know, obviously from self to our relationships and then to the bigger picture where it's like, you know, what's that bigger vision? Where have we in, if it's like in our community or if it's our business, like looking at our business differently now, um, because I mean, Zoom is popping off and it's created like a new way of connecting. We're connecting now more than ever, like calling our grandparents, you know, just checking in on them to make sure, you know, they're good. And so these positive good things, like taking it out of, 
you know, this place, <laughs> this confusion place that we are coming out of and and also businesses was like, wow, okay, I'm getting a chance to build a new business online. And if nobody's listened, please listen to the Amy Porterfield episode. I just think now more than ever, it's important to create something and having a presence online and being able to monetize as, as we've seen with your business if you've never really taken it seriously. And so these opportunities that we, we're getting to see where it's like, okay, this door shut, but then this other one is opening up in a bigger way and being able to connect with our community and seeing how we can be of value in the biggest scale. Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, it's important for all of us to really get how much we need other people and finding ways to connect and to support each other. When you've mentioned us talking about our vision and creating a vision, this is something we've done every year. We're here sitting here right now in Los Angeles. Like my, I couldn't have even fathomed that I would have ever left St. Louis. You know, I kind of felt like, of course, like I would have some level of success somehow, but every year we sit down and we create a vision. We write out goals. But even that was put on the back burner, you know, because I literally like what I couldn't goals? even sit. I couldn't sit, you know. And um, but now it's just like we're having these conversations and starting to talk about like what are the things that we want because it's it's not about us mm -hmm. exclusively anymore. It's about and it really never has been. But now it's even more so. What is the world that we want to create? What does the community look like in our country? You know, our world community. And the Model Health Show, we, we've been listened to in every country. You know, we've had at least one listener in every country, like 100 and whatever, right. 70 countries, I think. It's crazy. We just, by the way, shout out to Mongolia. Just got Mongolia uh, agency reached out to translate Sleep Smarter into Mongolian. Shout out to Genghis Khan, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's so powerful that we have this opportunity in this medium. So for you, maybe it is starting a podcast. Maybe it is, you know, getting online and creating an online store, a blog, or just about every business you can name, there's an online component, there's a transition space. Or what is your gift? You know, maybe this is the time like you've always loved to sing and you know, you've just been kind of pining away at an office space somewhere. And now like like now this is the time. Like you can, by the way, I mean, the game has changed. It used to be you know, you had to get in front of, you know, whatever record exec or Simon Cowell eventually, you know, when they had these little shows. But now you can create, put your stuff online, create an audience. The most successful artists are those who just market. It's not even about talent. Not to say you're not talented. All right. I'm sure you sound great outside the shower as well. But this is your opportunity to do the thing that you love as well. At least be a sidepreneur with it, you know. And I think, again, a big part of it is learning from people who've already done the thing. So Amy Porterfield episode that we did recently, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, Pat Flynn's episode, following Pat Flynn, uh, Jamal King, so many great success teachers with strategies and tactics sharing exactly what they did. Because moving forward, and I wanna mention this because it's very important. The way that our society, the way that our officials, our government officials have handled this situation with COVID-19 has created a situation where the treatment is very likely going to be far deadlier 
than the problem. And we're starting to already see what we're referring to, putting this category. Now everything gets a name, gets a label, these diseases of despair, because millions upon millions upon millions of people have lost their jobs. But now people are going back to work. Some businesses have been able to open, but many of these businesses are not going to be able to recover. They've just been waiting for their shots so they can get in there and get stuff back to normal, but people are not gonna come flooding back to your businesses because of the way things are structured and because of so much fear. And so we're gonna see a series of millions more businesses going under. And with that said, we have to find a way to build our financial well-being and to think outside the box, to support each other, to give resources and ideas and to think creatively more than ever because this is, again, this is creating a huge opportunity. It's not an accident. This happened right now when we have the internet. Mm. The barriers are gone. You just have to wake up to that reality. And we know with everything, we've talked about relationships before, how the financial aspect does create a lot of problems in relationships too, right? So it's this is something that if we are trying to, in a holistic way, look at it, and if it's up level up leveling our relationship and that component still is shaky or missing and there's uncertainty um it's now more than ever a call again at the end of the day we get to decide how do we define this time yeah. you know can we can do we want to continue to look at it from this negative place of Everything is so against us. Yes, it is. It, it totally is. We see that. But as more enlightened individuals that we all are in, in, in different sense, we know we can't stay there. We have to up level. We have to find a way to move forward in this new normal. Can you say that anymore? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's... I, wanted, I want you to talk about this too, because when you said something earlier about extrovert, you like slid that in there. I think this is also an opportunity to, for us to acknowledge who we are, like our personalities, and know that things can happen, but we still need to feed our spirit. We still need mm -hmm. to get our cup filled. And through this process, you didn't have me in the same context, right? But you were blessed to have a friend who you're in constant communication with, like never before. Right. You know, Jalisa, shout out to Jalisa. And you guys doing the voice text and, you know, hopping on your virtual I mean, dates. hashtag therapy. I mean, like voice text, that in itself has been very therapeutical to me. Uh, I didn't even know, because you have so much thoughts going on in your head all the time. And between that and still like the business and the worry all of those going things but we never really take time out just to like record it but what's even better is i'm recording it and it can be it's like our voice text to somebody was to listen it just sounds like we talk about five different things in one voice text but that's how our mind works right yeah, like true. we're not going like in a sequence i might be thinking about oh you know that sweatshirt and it'd be like oh did i put that chicken out of you know the crock pot like hey. it's just it's just really random but it was so there like it was such great therapy to be able to not only 
um, voice texts and, and connecting with somebody who truly just wanted to be a support system for me and and not judging me. And I mean, I don't know, it's, it's actually very weird. Like you're crying with the voice text because you got to hold it down and you're crying. <laughs> and, and then you're wondering, why do I have this? I, okay, let me let go of my thumb. So it's funny because then it makes you not cry anymore because you're like, that's weird. Now she's going to just hear <laughs> I just kind of cried. Um, so that, and also like when we do the zoom, zoom dates with, you know, with our friends, uh, shout out to Zach and Cynthia, where it's like, when you talk with other people, and I think that's the missing part. I think the first two months of quarantine, people were just like, so separate in their little bubble. And then slowly like scheduling these dates with each other. And the more you set them and you, and you're connecting, it's like, wow, they have a different point of view. I never thought about it that way. And, but yeah. that's, that's the humanness, like we, us getting back to that. Because if we're not sharing ideas, it's different than just, you know, okay, a social media post or commenting, but having conversations, yeah. we gotta get back to that, you know, gotta like connect with random people yeah. who have a difference of opinion but like with respect and just being able to like think differently, yeah. that's the only way to grow. That's so true, so true. And I think that it's another one of a bigger epidemic is with misunderstanding and not a willingness to have these conversations with, with respect and admiration and patience. These are all qualities that for many of us, like I had to learn those qualities. And you're coming into a very heated situation. We're talking about social injustice. This is the most sensitive subject in our reality is race. And it's a very strange phenomenon, obviously, because, you know, again, looking at the human genome, it's 0.01% as far as our exterior appearance difference in all humanity, less than 0.01% that causes what we would consider to be our, our race or our appearance, the texture of our, of our hair or our skin color. We're so similar, but this thing has created this epic kind of divide. And now we're having these conversations. And what's so beautiful is that never before, I don't think in recent history, has there been so much opportunity and so many people mm -hmm. having the conversations. And so I wanna talk about that now as well, because, you know, even Shaleen, uh, shout out to Shaleen Johnson, and we'll put her episode uh, in the show notes for you guys. But you know, you having a conversation and going on Shaleen's show about how can we bridge the gap? How can we talk about these things? And for me, it was one of the it was it was the most difficult episode I've ever done, in just sharing my story. And I shared because some of the biggest feedback was I I didn't really understand until you shared your story because people know me, right? And they would think like I. That stuff doesn't happen to people like you, right? When in reality, I mean, it's happened so much that I became, I came to a place where I started to accept it as normal. I did, I worked in health to try to find ways to help it, to make people feel better so we can communicate better. But I just accepted it as, as, as business as usual. And so in this complex situation, what are some of the things that we can do to talk to each other? to have the conversations? Man, 
it's loaded and and again this is just obviously coming from my experience i think every every person especially black or white everybody it's like different experiences and their different way of expressing it but one thing we do know is the fact of for most people i'm not going to say everyone that we need to do something yeah. i think that's come to the forefront it's just a matter of how where but you said the most perfect thing which is this is the most perfect time where everybody is able to talk about it right and because we're able to talk about it you, there's a gateway that's been open where it's like you can ask that awkward weird question that you've always had in the back of your mind but you know to your black friend that you know what i'm saying like and and vice versa where the black person is like i've been wanting to share this with you yeah. and it just was never right and i've always felt that there was this gap but now we can be able to talk about it so it's in in a sense i feel grateful for that because i've had the last few weeks i've had so many conversations with my white friends that i would have never in a million years have had but it's been great because the door has been open yeah. um and also hearing their perspective and it's painful it hurts but you know that's one of those things that um it, you know it's it's a gateway so acknowledging that that should be the first part but then the second thing before we can even go to um who, how do we even tackle it is self care mm. right yeah. Yeah. and i think you said something um you said something the other day you said something about when we are mentally and physically healthy it's easier to see others as humans yeah. right and so before we can even get to the deeper conversations like are we able are we doing like the basic stuff of our self care like from managing our social media intake cuz it's been a lot Ooh, it has yeah. been a lot from moving our bodies what are we eating and and I'll be quite honest like the those first 2 weeks when things were hectic I don't even know I can figure out what day I'm like did did we I'm like did Brayden eat like I <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. just a whole mess so and and it is understandable but as we are kind of the clouds are moving and we are seeing a bigger picture it's like self care has yeah. to be top of the charts like the first thing because then when we are taking care of ourselves we get to see in a different lens yeah. to to the other person oh. right absolutely absolutely i'm just thinking of the times when we uh haphazardly had our son intermittent fasting on accident because <laughs> we didn't know if we fed the kid or not you know <laughs> and um but like you just said and and you are one of the only people that know this that i've been working diligently to address this specific issue of getting our community healthier so that we can have conversations about uh, about violence about how we interact with each other and again it's just very difficult it's not impossible to have compassion for someone it's very difficult if you don't feel well to to put yourself into someone else's shoes a perspective take or to be patient you know when you when your blood sugar is off you know simple things like that and we've got the data to show it now and i'm going to have that for everybody eventually mm -hmm. you know coming very soon uh so again i've been working on it for a couple of years now um but the funny thing is it's at this exact time when this is all happening that i have put it all together 
you know? And so um, one thing that is very important and just kind of brought up from this situation, and I gotta talk about this, we gotta really dive in and share this, is that at the end of the day, in this conversation and how we're addressing the connection between our citizens of all different races and religions, we have to understand that this is really about perspective. It's always about perspective. We tend to be hardlined in one train of thinking, and it's from our own personal experience. We can absolutely learn from other people's experience, but it's very, very difficult, very difficult if you have not experienced what they have. And so when you're listening and learning, I think it's such a great gift to be able to listen and learn from people who have multiple perspectives. So we're not coming at it from this hardline place. And I truly feel, and I've said this on the show, and I feel like everybody, we were born for this. And I have to talk about it, I have to speak up because I was really born for, the, from the, for this. I am a culmination of both cultures, the extreme of both cultures. The white side of my family, we're talking redneck, all right? We're talking dirt road. You've been with me to yeah. my to my Mima's house. But we would go down there, you know, and, and visit my grandmother's friends. And I'm this little mixed kid. And, you know, her best friends, Elmer and Nettie, Elmer and Nettie, okay? And, and going to the bathroom in, you know, a wooden outhouse. And, you know, just like, this was not, this is not, uh, an environment that a lot of people would see, you know, and they're, they're going out hunting, they stay strapped up in a different kind of way. But, you know, I grew up on this other end of where I'm listening to Reba McIntyre and Conway Twitty and, and Dolly Parton. And then I have this other side, the other extreme of like living in the hood where it's, you know, drive-by shootings. And, you know, I'm 12 years old, I come out of the store and a little kid younger than me has a gun in my face telling me to take my shoes off. And if the store owner didn't scare him away, like, I don't know what could have happened. You know what I'm saying? And seeing drive-bys and seeing, you know, living next door to a crack house and seeing my family overtaken by that and the culture around that. Public Enemy, NWA, you know, Ice Cube. Like, I've got this real firsthand boots on the ground experience of all those things. So I might be somebody you want to talk to and listen to about this because I'm not coming at like just this place where there's social, there's racial injustice. So growing up in that condition, even as a child, in a predominantly white area, you know, when we lived in, the, in like a good neighborhood in the county before they moved to the country, I would get called, you know, racial, racial slurs. And even my, you know, they would say to my mother, I remember hearing, I remember the words, calling her a nigger lover. So when we get into this conversation about privilege and, you know, you start to see people's mindsets come to the surface during times like this. And people posting things like, why do uh, biracial children largely identify as black? And then they'll put the little tagline, there's no benefit in being white. There's no privilege. And it's very ignorant because my environment let me know that I couldn't be a part of the culture. I promise you, I, was, I, I got umbros. You know what umbros are, baby. No, I don't. This is like soccer gear. You know, I got the umbro shoes, the neon umbro shorts. I wanted to fit in with the white kids in my school, but they just wasn't having it. They were not allowing me to be a part of the culture. I remember a white girl that I liked. And again, when I'm saying this, my cousins, you know, that I grew up with are white kids, you know. But she was just like, ew, right? Cut to high school. 
Because that's elementary. High school, I became, I, I became a little bit more of a hot commodity. Now everybody's listening to, you know, to rap a little bit. And just like the tables turned over time. But it wasn't my choosing. It was the environment not allowing me to be a part of a specific culture. And so I'm coming from that place of seeing it firsthand. Just little instances that could have been very bad. But fortunately, I had good people in my life. So I want to talk about this. Part of us creating change and bringing, I talked about the racial wealth gap. It's so huge. It's continued to grow. Starting to close that gap and getting people on a more successful accord, specifically with the black community. Because that in of itself, once you get out of poverty, it starts to elevate you out of a place where you see consistent violence around you. It starts to elevate you to a place where education becomes more attainable and a higher order priority. So I wanna talk about this because there is absolutely a portion of taking responsibility. Absolutely. And this is what some of the people like, when I would share my experience, unfortunately, I've never received so much hate, low key hate, when I was sharing some of the things that I went through. And I just wanted to toss this over to you because you've been with me. I came out of the store, we're at the mall. I come out of the store and I was in the dressing room on a call helping somebody whose aunt had gotten uh, diagnosed with cancer. And I was just sharing everything that I could in that moment. You know, so I was in there, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes. I go and check out, buy a few things, and then I come out, and then what happened? Um, there was police out there. <laughs> like, it, 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 it happened so quickly. And, and that's the thing I think people don't understand. Like, moments like those, it's, you're so confused. You're like, this can't be, this is not, this is not happening. Like, yeah. we're better than this. You're like, I don't even know what year that was. We were like, no, this is, it's not happening, but it was. And one, I mean, from the outside, just looking at it where it's like, you're just perplexed and angry too. Cause you're just like, what? I'm not doing anything at all. Like, even though you didn't even have that much money, but you're like, I have enough money to buy whatever I want from the store and me me too. And and even though, of course, they wanted a problem to arise so that they can do something to you, we knew better. And we had, you know, like you knew you had to still like chill and bring it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they were still even trying to provoke me. Right. You know, after they checked my bag and see that I didn't steal anything, what I was accused of because of racial profiling, I didn't do anything wrong. And yet they were wanting to hurt me. They were looking for a reason. Even after they saw that they were wrong, they didn't want to take that pressure off of me. And I was so upset, like you said, I was leaving there and I was like, no, we're gonna go file a complaint, we're gonna yeah. sue them because the police station was right across the street from the mall. That's no, remember there. it felt like a walk of shame because we had to leave the store and we mm. left with them and I'm like behind you guys. And I'm just like the whole mall, you, you, of course you feel like the whole mall is yeah. <laughs> looking at oh you. And, and you're like, but we didn't do anything wrong. And so just the anger that comes with that, the sadness is so deep. But I felt more upset for you than even for myself. And, and just like how this actually even looks. Cause it's kind of one of those like, no, we didn't do anything. You just want to tell everybody, but it's just yeah. like, no, you just, oh, there, there goes another black guy with the police walking in the mall. What did he do, you know? Yeah. And yeah. yeah. I definitely felt it, you know? And I feel like we've talked about 
I came to accept those feelings as normal. Whenever I go to a store anywhere, like I really, and I've seen it so many times with people like just doing little things to let me know that they're watching me, you know? And it's so unfortunate, it's so crazy. And my story isn't unique. And so when we talk about these things, of course there's opened up so much love and so much acknowledgement because people think like it's, it has to be something, a criminal. It's something that they did wrong. You would not believe how many people were sending me messages talking about how George Floyd was a criminal. And they were saying, oh, he still shouldn't have died, but you shouldn't be fill in the blank because he was a criminal. And it's so sick, you know, to justify because we always try to find a way to justify when somebody is murdered or harmed in some kind of way by law enforcement. And so me walking out of there, I didn't have a choice in the matter. They wanted to attack me. What am I supposed to do? You know, I can't fight back per se because then, oh my God, that would open up so many, mm -hmm. you know, like it's a whole different scenario. But what I did do was I was like, I'm gonna fight them, we're gonna <laughs> sue them. And then you talk to your mother and your mother shared something that literally changed my life. She reminded me that that is not a good use of my time. So many people have filed complaints the man who murdered George Floyd, he had already had 15 complaints of uh, abuse of power. Those things didn't work as well as they should because this that's believing that the system is supposed to do what the system is supposed to do. She reminded me that I need to focus on building myself up, building up my own well-being, my own power, my own influence so that I can truly make a difference in the world. Me getting caught up and spending time invested trying to fight this system is not as valuable as a use of time as me going and building myself up. And your mother also said something that I want you to talk about. She said that this isn't a matter of the mind, what's happening right now, right? Yeah, she said, uh, you know, especially like lately and just everything in the, diff the comments, it's just been crazy and we've just been talking about a lot of, you know, everything going on and that's what she said, she said, this is not a matter of the, the brain, it's a matter of the heart. And I think at this point is of, of everything going on, when you saw that video, when you saw that picture, if it went straight to your heart, it didn't, it didn't go to your brain and you're rationalizing. And some people it did. And she's like, for those who it's just going to the mind and you're trying to find all the, he did and the, we don't, we don't have any room for that. We don't have any room to explain to, to the justification, the what ifs. Yeah. No, this is a matter of the heart. And as we know, like you, when you surely said, like we are all inside, we're all the same, really. And so you, that's just another human being. It's just, we see him as a human being. Yeah. And so, and, and when you were talking about the, you know, some of the different comments and because you shared your story, because I know in my team, we've received most of them being like 99% amazing, but then you'll have like the few is like, <laughs> it's crazy. But I see it like this is everybody has, especially if you've listened to the show, 400 plus episodes have gained something from you positive 100% of the time each time because you've put yourself before anybody else as far as like doing the work doing the studying and most importantly it's been always 
to turn around the finger back to yourself and how can I get better? But the formula and the way you've always been doing it has been from a place, from your experiences, from all of the experiences that you've had, which have been bundled up and so many people can know so many things about you because you've shared bits by bits, but they've come from traumatic circumstances, but you've made light of them. You've been able to, to inject them into the message and directing it back to ourself. Right. And so it's so funny that the moment where you are actually sharing it, you know, then you get this, but at the end of the day, the way I see it is, um, I think we all do have bias and, and even like we were talking about how do we even communicate this and how can we get to a better place? It's first, like, let's examine our own bias. I think that as black, white, African, I know most definitely I had bias when thinking of the black community here in America, but that was from what we were told when we first arrived in America of what black people were and, and all of those things. And I had to unlearn, but I luckily we had an amazing, my mom's friend who was able to teach us, sit us down and, and teach us over and over again. And, and even right now, like, We've been together, I don't know, it's nine, 18 years. <laughs> 16 years. Wait, is it a 16? So people can see you're not it's that typical point. with the knowing of the dates and stuff like that. Nope, atypical. But, you know, Maybe. I mean, it's teen something. <laughs> it's all run together. But, but the thing is, it's like even knowing you this long, I am still learning so much not only about you and your story, but also about the black culture. And so I think the gap, like even when you were saying, when people are saying certain things, to me, the way I'm seeing it now, it's like, oh, you've not been educated. You're not looking in or even being inquisitive. Yeah. I just think even the slight willingness yeah. to, be, to, to be willing to just being like, huh, Okay, I, I know Sean said this, or I saw that, and I might not understand that. But you know what? Let me let me let me check that out. Right. But I think that opening that opens a gate because it's like okay, I might not know something. Let me go and look, as opposed to these ridiculous. It's not. It's not ridiculous because everything does is valid to a point. You know, like okay, there's black on black crime or. You know, the, in the in in the hood, they they don't they're not eating well and all of these things. But never asking, huh? Why isn't there Whole Foods out in the hood? You know what I'm saying? Or why aren't there better resources there? Or um, the education system and and going down and just studying and looking, because you will find you will find something. And so I think for me to to open that conversation to take it to the next level from first your self-care and really being well to looking at your own bias and then getting to educating. I don't think we will be able to move as a society if we don't actually get educated and learn. There is no way, there is no way that we will actually get to where we can say that we are all one because that's what we, that's the truth. We are all one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we every life does matter. But 
we have to, to get to this next step, we need to have the hard conversations, yeah. but the hard conversations come when you're educated because you cannot have the hard conversation with you know, your racist aunt when you don't know the facts. Because then yeah. it'll be like, well, yeah, why is that? Then you go and study. Yeah. Or, um, and I saw that a lot with, because uh, I think blacks, a lot of people contacting a black person they've never even talked to in a long time and then wanting to, I am so sorry. Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that bad. And I mean, <laughs> for a lot of us, it's like, wow, really? <laughs> Which is yeah. fine. But to me, again, I see it as like, wow, okay, you, you're awakening and realizing there is an issue. But then the next step is, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. What are you going to do about it? And there's tons of resources. And I think collectively, we all know, we all know that there have been some things we don't want to touch on. We want to kind of like, I, it's too sensitive. Yeah. You know, the, there is no place for it. But now is the time. Um, actually, I want to share a story with you. Um, my sister, she works at the bank, and um, and a customer came in, um, and after the transaction, it was an old, I think he, and he works at the government office or something. After the transaction, he was a white guy. He's probably like 60, 60 years old or something. And, and so, and he was like, can I ask my sister, can I ask you something? And she's like, yeah. And he said, well, you know, I'm just, I'm really, I'm really confused. I really want to understand what's going on around, you know, like in our society today. And he's like, I am a good person. I, I don't have any, I don't. I, I love all people. I have, I treat everybody kindly and fairly. I I don't have these things, and and I see this in the news, and I'm just like, I'm I'm like that's not me, you know. And I don't know what to do about it. It's like, is there something that I can do about it? One, when we're talking about the gateways open, where you can have, and it's okay to have that question and it can be, obviously it's like somebody random too, another black person but but with the inquisitive he had a willingness just to like let me let me understand let me just see like am i missing something is there something i can do better and so that opened a conversation with my sister just explaining like you know that's how you may feel but i'm pretty sure people that you are around where they might have different biases or uh, racist, you know, undertones, for example, or microaggressions and stuff like that. And and like you can be able to step in and and you know, being like, no, I mean, they're just human. Or I mean, that's pretty much it. At the end of the day, we really just we're all human. And. And anyways, and he was so thankful because he never thought about it. And, and he was like, this, he's in a, it's a community of like, it's like 500 people. There's nobody of color in, in his community. And she said like, if my car breaks down and I'm like in your town, I would feel very, I would be scared, you know? And he's like, but why? And he was shocked. So I say that to say, I think everybody, a lot of people, do mean well and we've seen that with the protests where it's everybody all different colors and 
everything in different countries, but the willingness and having that open door and to listen and then you educate and actually acting and challenging. But then at the same time, knowing that we're not, some people we're not here to change. And it's, and, but that doesn't mean you give up. You have to keep going. Yeah, yeah, you just said it. That's so, so beautiful. You know, some people are literally, they're walking around, they're dinosaurs. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna become extinct. And shout out to the raptors and the, um, uh, the what is the other one? What's the flying? Pterodactyls. Shout out to the pterodactyls out there who are going extinct and missing out on this opportunity to learn and to grow and to connect humanity. Because in reality, there is no side. Like we are all one team. It's team us, it's team humanity. And this is why we love those movies where the aliens invade, because all countries all of a sudden come together to, to, to fight against some outside force. And this is an inherent thing in our programming. We've done this throughout our evolution, where it's this tribe against this tribe. And it's always short-sighted because what ends up happening is we end up hurting ourselves. We end up hurting other people. Even this country itself was founded on a genocide of people who were, who were just continuously killed off and pushed into little sections of this country. And then all of a sudden their history is erased. They're relegated to being the name of sports teams. You know, the Cleveland Indians, for example, and shout out to everybody in Cleveland, I'm sorry, no disrespect. But if you think about it and the, the weight that that would carry for, for your people being almost wiped out and they've got a, a mascot to kind of denote what you once were or what they perceived you to be, just imagine how that would feel. You know, and I think that the biggest thing from what you said, well, there's so many big things, but that willingness, the willingness to communicate, the willingness to be wrong is huge. We keep talking about this and you know this, this is something that over the last few years, I've said, I'm sorry more than I have all the years we were prior to that and really looking for, and I, you know, I do this. I go into the work, I go into the research to find where if I have a bias, let me go and look at the opposite thing. But most people aren't doing that. They're not coming with an ar another argument because they're trying to, you know, play quote, play the devil's advocate. They're trying to be hurtful. They're trying to prove you wrong. And that's one of the big issues that I, I have to talk about, which is deflecting. We have a <laughs> chronic epidemic of deflecting and missing the point, you know? So I shared a story about a recent incident that we experienced when we were in St. Louis and the cop literally setting people up. It was a stop sign pushed to the ground and he set us up. He knew that nobody would see that sign and he knew that in the neighborhood we were in, which is a quote, bad neighborhood, he was very likely gonna be able to get somebody with a warrant or expired license or tags or something. And when he approached our car, he, he had the probability that he'd be pulling me out of that vehicle, hand on his gun, reproaching the, the car sideways. Mm -hmm. And once he got to the window, I already had my ID out. I made sure, because I'm not going to reach for anything. And he was sh visibly shaking with his hand on his gun. Voice was trembling. And I immediately, because of the training, we have to train ourselves. to. Re it's unfortunate we have to remain calm when we are being potentially assaulted. right? But I, had, I did it. My, my little son is in the back seat. Recently, a man named Philando Castile. A little girl was in the back seat. His girlfriend was next to him. You were right there next to me. Mm -hmm. And he was murdered by a police officer. He did nothing wrong. And when the cop shot him, she asked, why did you do that? He said, I don't know. He has 
We've created a structure where he can kill him because of his fear. If he feels threatened, what about us? What if I feel threatened? What do I get to do? Because this is just another person. He's done a few weeks of training, you know, a few months of training, no disrespect, but to have that level of authority over somebody's life. And so when I shared my story and just again, the overwhelming majority of people just like, I can't believe things like that actually happen, especially to, you know, quote somebody like you, because you see me as like, you know, this wouldn't happen to Sean when absolutely it's happened so much that I can't even, I can just tell story after story after story. But I shared that and then somebody commented that this, my personal experience is wrong. My caution about my son going out and not, and him not wearing a hoodie when he goes out running in our good neighborhood, that fear that I carry, because I'm not a fearful person. It's more of a, it's an it's a intense awareness that I try, I try to work on seeing good. This is another important quality that we all need to develop. I believe that every single person, even the very best, most altruistic, good person is capable of doing the most heinous, disgusting act and you might think, I wouldn't kill somebody. What if somebody hurt your child? What if somebody did something unspeakable to your child? All of a sudden, you taking another life and you defending your child, that possibility starts to elevate. And I also believe that the very worst person that we would deem despicable and disgraceful is capable of the most beautiful and amazing act. And if we can develop those qualities, you know, to see people like that, and stop having so much hate, but also having aware, a level of caution as well, because this isn't about being stupid and it's all love. In some instances, it is all love, but there's other stuff too, you know, and all of it's valid. So my point that I really wanna make is, I received a message and the person was saying, as I'm sharing my experience with police violence and even me doing an entire episode and even sharing the statistics, you know, matter of fact, let me just drop a couple of these in here right now. Uh, just for folks who didn't catch that episode, which we'll put in the show notes. In 2000, researchers at Harvard University exposed that expected punishment is significantly reduced for crimes, including homicide, when the victim is black. Mm -hmm. So in court cases, overall, when somebody commits a crime against a black citizen, their punishment is far less. There's an inherent devaluation of a black life within the structure of the system. And then like, I'll post something like this, and then people are like, well, Harvard's biased, you know, just like, and, and you know, they went to, um, you know, McDonald's University for their degree, and they're talking about how this is wrong, you feel me? But, so, that's number one. Black men are five times more likely to be murdered than white men. And that gets in the conversation that I went in, in depth, because it's not just police brutality is also, of course, in the black community, people kill who they're around. Black people kill black people more often, white people kill white people more often, Native Americans kill Native Americans more often, and so on and so forth. But there's an epidemic. We just lost a child, you know? He was 17 years old. He was at our wedding. Mm -hmm. A young black child with his whole life ahead of him. He was just murdered, literally two days ago. I grew up around that shit. Obviously, I'm tired of it, but it's a systemic issue. He's a good, like he, he wants to be good, but what are you born into? And there's this conversation and people send this, well, the real issue is taking care of your home. It starts at home. Yeah, but the environment itself, we can create the best environment within that home. But once you get outside those doors, 
your environment. We are a product of our environment. So we need both. And we're coming into this situation. Our parents were born during times when segregation was still legal. It's not that long ago. And people send me videos of people, you know, um, black people who are posting videos and sharing their perspective that police brutality is not a black issue. You know, systemic racism isn't the issue and it's the Democrats fault, you know, and pointing fingers to a political party instead of like, let's talk about the real issue. There's only so much of like lift myself from my own bootstraps when I have to still, in addition to that, overcome all of these obstacles that are literally life-threatening. You know, one of those instances that was on the docket to be repealed was legislation to protect minorities against har harsher punishments in school for offenses. And this particular uh, membership of the political party who's in power right now was trying to repeal that. I was a victim of that thing when I was in high school. I was doing everything right on the surface. I was a student advisory. I was a scholar athlete. I was in inroads for college credit. The first year that it started as a junior in high school, I had uh, almost 3.8 GPA. I was doing all of these great things right. I was a teenage health consultant. I was doing all these good things right. And I kept telling the white, my white uh, principles like, hey, this guy keeps coming at, like you guys gotta do something about this. And ultimately we get into this fight. And instead of me getting suspended for three, five days, 10 days max is what usually, they kicked me out of school for 180 days in all white board of education. Because I was in the desegregation program where I'm getting bussed out to the good school. They were making an example of me. And I can talk about how it's not fair, but, and you can also say, well, you shouldn't have got into that fight. The rules are not the same for us. That would not have happened to one of my white friends. It just wouldn't, because I've seen it. Like they get, get into a fight, you know, they come back in three days or whatever. And that's the unfortunate part that we don't see is all the things we have to overcome. So I, I just wanted to make this point of like, we have to be mindful of deflecting because when I'm making a point about my experience, number one, you have to understand this is my experience. And when I share the data, like literally, okay, we have this issue now as a culture about police brutality. And right here in the data, the US Justice Department, and again, this is the US freaking Justice Department. This isn't, you know, um, Charlie down at the chocolate factory, I guess, who's like coming up with these statistics, that black citizens are more than two times more likely to be stopped and searched during consensual encounters, what's quote consensual encounters, where it's just like basically stop and search. Black men are almost six times more likely to be incarcerated than white men. And when we're talking about the issue with police brutality, there, this was a meta-analysis published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences found that young black men are two and a half times more likely to be killed by police than young white men. It's all love, we are all one, but we need to address this issue. It's not all lives matter until we address these things and help to bring everybody up. But we can't do that by deflecting. We can't do that by, when I share what's going on and we all, this is the big thing on people's minds that police brutality is a serious issue where we're concerned for our children. And then somebody sends me a message or comments, but what about black on black crime? We're not talking about that. You're deflecting. We're talking about this issue. 
And I promise you, if we have good policing in black communities where there is compassion, where there is support, and there are, this is happening all over the place. There are different police departments all over the country that are doing these things. They're in the community, they're connecting, they're getting to know the citizens, that they're there to protect and serve. The crime rates are gonna go down. The help and how we help each other is gonna go up. And people can start to elevate our poverty and reduce black on black crime as well. But we're talking about this issue, so stop deflecting. Uh, mic drop? <laughs> no, um, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. I think, number one, I when you talk about deflecting, because um, you already know I've seen so much of that, I keep going back to, but why, why would you, like, why would you deflect, right? And no matter, I mean, intelligent it's like i know sean like you know he's amazing da, 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 but i just don't know about this story um so number one i think what what i want people who are of other ethnicity that are not black um our friends family or associates what, what i would say is this is the fact of when any black person shares their experience and you find yourself with a but or a if we'll click in or you're watching the news and you you read it you're you're seeing something that happened to or uh injustice and it starts to creep up that is a sign of like okay there's something i have to work on here there's a bias in here yeah. that I need to observe yeah. and see why why am I saying that, yeah. right? Um, because at the end of the day, how do all these people have all these similar stories? Yeah. You know, and if I'm sharing my story and I'm telling you in detail about it and you deflect you're negating me as a person. You're not listening to me. You're not seeing me. You're not hearing me. And thus, the gap gets bigger. Because what if you did? And, and, and it breaks down because it's deeper, obviously. Um, and what if you did? What if you actually had a little bit of empathy towards my story? Um, I ended up like typing because I wanted to know exactly the definition of empathy, but then I ended up on uh, Daniel Goldman's uh, website. And so he was talking about three different types of um, empathy. And so I'll share those. So the first one is cognitive empathy, which is uh, simply knowing how the other person feels and what they might be thinking. Mm. Right. Mm. So on the basic level, yeah. I think that's kind of what a lot of uh, black counterparts are asking is that. So then the next one is emotional empathy. So the emotional empathy makes someone well attuned to another person's inner emotional world. And so this is where when you are educating and learning, watching a documentary, which I highly recommend 13th, you watch that and you start to really listen in with an open heart to, to your white friend or somebody's experience online, 
And even it could be not even a person of color, but even if it's a woman who is sharing about their abusive experience yeah. and you actually like, and it does touch you emotionally. But then this is what happens. It says one downside of emotional empathy occurs when people lack the ability to manage their own distress emotion can be seen in the psychological exhaustion that leads to burnout. Ooh, yeah. Right? There's a lot of that going on. That's what's going that which goes on, which then will lead to disconnect and then silence. Ooh. Which again, and but then this is that part we've been talking about self-care, yeah, right? Absolutely. Where we have to tap back into that, where we are managing. But then but then this is the thing is imagine you're feeling that for example, I've seen that kind of going around like, wow, I, I just just want my Instagram feed to go back to normal. I'm just, so, you know, because Instagram has been a good place for getaway for people. But then it's just now been bombarded with so much, for example. And it's like, OK, well. Imagine it's been two or three weeks of this. Well, we've been dealing with every day on top of that, actually regular stuff we have to do every single day. Yeah. So yes, it might feel like burnout, but this is a reality for so many people. Like we're talking about the 17 year old, um, our family friend, what they are going through on top of everything else that they have to go through. And, and not on top of that, like people who with the COVID situation and, and unemployment, all of these things wrapped up into one, but we still have to show up. We still have to, <laughs> 10 times more be present and aware, like he was saying. So the third one is compassion, empathy. Yeah. With this kind of empathy, we can not only understand a person's predicament and feel with them, but are spontaneously moved to help if needed. Because that's what we're asking for is you hear me. You're seeing me when I share my experience. But then from there, can you help me? Can you help us? And, and let's not confuse this. This is not, I don't want you to save me. I want you to be able to stand next to me, being an ally to me, and then being able to, to speak for me when I'm not there, right? When you see injustice, to call on it. Because it's like, it's easy to say, I love Ann, I love Sean. Oh my gosh, they're so amazing. But then if you are in your car and you're seeing a black person walk by and you lock your door, something you have to check. But again, it's not, I don't even see it as being bad. I just, I just see it as a growth that us as humans have to to evolve, to get to where we really truly need to be in this huge shift. I think that's what we're experiencing is that it's a rising of consciousness that's happening yeah. together. And so this small things have to happen and not to feel guilty. I think that we're past feeling guilty. Matter of fact, there's so much information out there, amazing educators, black educators, activists, so many things that we can do. And, and for me, it's just asking yourself, if you're curious, 
for those who are not cool, <laughs> that is totally fine. I'm not speaking to those people, but for those who are ready, who want to stand next to us, not to save us, let's be clear. It's not about white Satan. That's a whole other thing to stand next to us and to show up and ask yourself, like, why haven't I, why haven't I, I mean, we got Google, <laughs> like there's so much and to find out, but yes, you, you love Oprah. You're ready to hear Oprah's story or LeBron James. Like we could put any prominent, amazing black person who again, rose through the ashes with those same circumstances. Right. And you hear their stories uh, 30 on 30. Like you hear all those stories of like, they, they were in this bad neighborhood, bad upbringing, but they rose up. But you never like to ask like, wow, why is it all of them? It's the same, same similar stories. And then I think from the curiosity will lead to educating, which will lead then to be a true ally through acting. And we probably talk about that a little bit on some of the things that people can do. Yeah, absolutely. That's so powerful. I, I think that right now more than ever, we all have the capacity to call out injustice, like you just said. We've had, we've been asleep. Like some of us, because it's happened so regularly, we put it on sleep mode and we, we begin to accept things that are totally unacceptable. This isn't about, and one of the big deflection points is, instead of addressing the issue, we make it into a political football. And it's like getting passed around, where it's the Democrats' fault, they're the racist group, really, but they're the, the kind of racist that act like your friend, and, but then they're pointing back to the, it's the Republican party because of the legislation, you know, kicking off with Reagan and it was called on the hot mic. And again, check out the uh, documentary 13th, it's on Netflix. And um, it was called on the hot mic, one of Ronald Reagan's um, campaign members and the strategy they were putting together for him to win the, the campaign, they stripped, he literally specifically said he was kind of caught on a hot mic that the conversation a few decades earlier, you know, they can drop it in the, in the conversation when they're out rallying for, you know, uh, uh, getting in office, they could say, nigga, 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 this, nigga, that, these niggas. And then we had to switch. He said, we switched the language to criminal. We made it criminal. And he literally said with his own mouth, and this is something that we just, we know it, we know it, but he was caught saying it. They changed it from nigger to criminal. They changed the, the languaging in their campaign because now it's no longer politically correct to say the thing. So we know when we say criminal, this is who we're talking about, this category of people. So it's all political parties. People are like, well, it's because of this party, that party. That's not human. And I have a big issue with this because what this divide of like having these two political parties is you take on the set of beliefs and you start to negate everything else that the other party says. All their beliefs are stupid. And some of the things from your political cascade that you're supposed to accept as like these are rules and ways of my thinking, you don't even believe in, but you have to accept because you're the cookie cutter thing. That's not being a, a good person. That's not being a rational, logical human being. It's adapting a set of beliefs that you didn't take on yourself. You were given those beliefs by the environment around you. It's not to say, again, there's value in it, but even the, this concept of politics has 
created so much distance between our society is crazy. And for us to point the finger that one party is responsible for systemic racism, or to even say that systemic racism doesn't exist, I've had so many people send me, not so many, again, it's in the minority, but still so, like we're talking about these issues and solutions and people are sending me, well, systemic racism doesn't exist and here's why. Are you serious? Are, are you serious? Like one of our, well, one of my friends, you know, one of my former friends, physician. But this goes down to education. Like there hasn't been real education, like you haven't actually gone in and look at the, <laughs> you haven't looked at the work, you haven't yeah. researched, you haven't spent, not only, okay, it's one thing to even if you don't wanna believe the stories, but there's another to actually go in and look at the data and to look at the numbers yeah. and the history, most importantly, the history. The history. Yeah. I, I, the other day I looked up the definition, I've been so fascinated with definitions lately and the, um, the definition of history, which is basically, it was something like, you know, basically including the past as whole. As a whole. As a whole. The, this but is how it is. Not, but yeah. that's not been the case where it's not at all. I mean, we're not taught the whole <laughs> history. No, no. And it's a lot of things have been left out. I mean, just even with this Juneteenth, um, you know, celebration that just happened. Yeah. So I, I didn't even know about it until this year. Yeah. Why didn't I know? Why didn't I know about Black Wall Street? If guys, if you don't know, please go look into it. And but then again, we have to turn all of these things, all these amazing situations to a positive, yeah. to being, I'm getting excited now. I'm really getting excited to learn more about black history, Kenyan history, because I get to teach it to Brayden. And it's exciting to me because there were so many also amazing things that black people have done that I was not taught in school. Hashtag I graduated. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> Magna cum laude, I was there, you know? I know, but like, I did, and I took African-American studies, mm. but only took one, one, one class. Yeah. But we get that opportunity now. Yeah. Because if we're not educated and we're not learning about this, how can we speak? Again, it's coming from belief and I think part of having like a well-rounded belief, I would assume, is from studying, yeah. from studying experiences and through action to form, like fully form that belief as opposed to from this ideology place. Right. And it's like, yes, prove me. I'm, if I'm wrong, fine. Yeah. Then go and look, what is the fuss about? Right. Inquisitive, like I'll, I'll keep on going back to that. But this is also, you just said it, it's perfect. You have to also find out, look into why I might be right. That is the part that it takes courage to do. That's the part that, you know, for, for somebody that I would consider a friend, very loose friend, you know, like we knew, we kind of knew he was a little bit of a skadooshy douchey. But, you know, for to say that this systemic racism doesn't exist, um, he's, he's not having a willingness to just look at the data. He has, like you just said, ideology that it doesn't exist. And also negating my story and my experience. That's no way to interact with somebody, to immediately negate them. 
and labeling them a certain way. Because there's a statement I first heard when Wayne Dyer say, when you label me, you negate me. And also that I heard from Wayne Dyer the first time was from St. Francis of Assisi, seek first to understand and then to be understood. Especially in this context with the most sensitive issue, seek first to understand. And if you do have some data, I have to be willing to accept that I might be wrong. However, the vast majority of data and the society itself is telling you, whoa, this thing, this is a real thing. And I, I have to say this, when you talked about calling out injustice, again, I do not want people to overlook this important point. What we tend to do, unfortunately, is we point the finger. Instead of addressing the issue and calling out injustice, we say it's the Democrats' fault. We say it's the Republicans' fault. And we are not taking responsibility. There are racist people in every single political party, in every city, in every country, all over the world. It's a thing. Like There have been massive genocides of cultures so many different mm -hmm. stories, even within African communities, even within uh, the Jewish communities, even within uh, you know, Native American communities, fighting amongst themselves and having genocides and having racism because you know, this uh, Indian citizen has darker skin than this Indian citizen. And it's us being able to bring all this stuff to the surface. It's, 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 it doesn't feel good, but that's okay. This is how we solve the problem. And one of the things that I pointed out and I put together a video and like really dove into this issue and talking about how does, how do we experience an issue where we have so much incarceration of black citizens and black on black crime. And in addition to police brutality being kind of hyper-focused with the black community as well. And I made it an important point because again, instead of people addressing and acknowledging my experience and my data, I'm a very data-driven person they send me messages from a black person saying that it's unfortunate that George Floyd was killed, but I do not stand with George Floyd because he was a criminal. And this, what bothers me is not the, the black person that does it necessarily. It's the following of the white citizens that are like, see, I, I like this person. She is so intelligent. Other black people need to listen to this black person. Because this black person is in truth, she's justifying the behavior of a system that has harmed so many of my family members and this community. And it's unfortunate, this happens in every culture. There's always gonna be people who don't really, they're not a part of the culture. They're not a part of the black culture. There's people within all cultures that aren't really about the culture themselves. They manipulate and try to find ways to get themselves out or to manipulate and create and to be accepted by another culture. My point that the heart of all that I'm saying is that we are truly one culture with a bunch of little cool subcultures that we can all grow to love and respect. But to say that this culture is wrong and messed up without addressing the core issues. And in this video, I, I wanted to share all the parts. Don't send me that stuff. Don't send this to your black friends saying, you know, this black person saying systemic racism isn't a problem. Black on black crime is more important. When we're talking, we're hurting. And I've seen this firsthand in my own life repeatedly. Don't, that's not how to go about this. And be careful about who you listen to. And one of the things I pointed out was a lot of those folks, they're standing in their profile picture with Donald Trump. And I haven't really talked about this before because I, I'm so, I'm sorry, 
I'm sorry, you guys, that I accepted it as, as normal. It got to a point, it was just like, it's just too crazy for me to even discuss, but I'm not gonna do that anymore. There are holes in my thinking as well where I can see like, no, like I, I was thinking that I couldn't do anything about it. And I brought up the character. This is not about politics. I don't give a damn if you're conservative, liberal, Republican, whatever the case might be, these stupid labels, we justify behavior. And I pointed out, it's most black people, in truth, a fact, do not align themselves with Donald Trump. So be weary, be, be cautious about those that do. Not that not being conservative or Republican is the issue, but the quality of character of the person that they're propping up, right? Where we have, it's unfortunate we can't have these conversations. But this is what we have the opportunity to do. And I brought up, this isn't about race. This is the quality of the character of the person. And the 25 women, 25 women who've come forward to share their story of sexual abuse at the hands of the person that we elected to the president of the United States. And instead, when I bring that up, immediately what people say, they'll deflect and say, well, Biden has sexual assault cases too. I don't give a Biden, whoever it is, Joe Biden, Clinton, Donald Trump, we cannot accept this kind of behavior. We have to stop victim blaming and saying the women are wrong. It's sick. It's sick and it's very unfortunate. And we are bringing down our ethics and our standards. And the only way to bring it up is to call out those injustices. You know, this individual has been in public literally, and I put this in the video, promoting police brutality, openly, right? And also the situation, which another great thing to check out on Netflix uh, is when they see us, when they see us, the story of the uh, Central Park Five, who is what the label was given, and Donald Trump, unfortunately, taking out, you know, paying six figures to get this full page ad advocating for their execution of these four black children. They're young teenagers. And they were finally exonerated that, you know, they were, they didn't commit the crime. They were exonerated just recently. And instead of him apologizing, saying, I was wrong for that. Instead of doing that, he said, well, actually, they admitted that they were guilty. And we need to take another look at that. These are things that we have to call out and just say, you know what, this is not good character. And for me, I said the statement of even the, the person we might see as the worst person has the potential to do great things. So I don't think any of us need to be, you know, pointing the finger at Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton or whoever these political figures are as the problem in our society. Like this thing is happening, it's their fault. These are just representation of our society, our collective. At the ground roots level, it's our local officials, our state officials who are electing to the Supreme Court and who are electing to House of Representatives, paying attention to these things and the quality of character. I don't care what party you're in. We have to get out of this whole party mindset and look at quality of character and, and look at the capacity to have compassion, the capacity to stand up for injustice, like you said. And so with this said, and Again, I know that these are sensitive topics and I ask you to have some compassion on us today for this conversation because that's what it's really about at its core is empathy and understanding of our perspective 
and, and having these conversations to talk about things that like race and politics, for whatever reason, get people like super sensitive, like Ralph Tresvant times a thousand. Okay. And shout out to people who know Ralph Tresvant. He's a lead singer of a group called New Edition, had a, a hit song called You Need a Man with Sensitivity. More sensitive than that. And it's unfortunate because for us to grow, we have to be able to have these conversations. And I come from a very data-driven place, but I, I'm also human. And I believe that right now we have the opportunity to, to change the conversation and to also trust that the people that we do elect to office, they're not going to be perfect. You know, um, in, in talking about um, Trump and his presidency, there's of course been beneficial things that have happened for black community. And then there's some not so beneficial things as well. This is gonna be, we're gonna continue to see this throughout all political parties and campaigns until we address the core issues, which is really about us, the people, not like you said, not saving each other, but standing with each other. And so what are some of the things that we can do to really make this real, to make this movement real of us coming together to create a world that really does work for everybody? What are some of the things that we can take from today and put into play to help to usher this in? I've been thinking about that and I, and I think all of this is gonna evolve. One of, one of the first things, and I think we we'll keep saying this throughout the episode is, nobody truly has us all figured out, right? And we're just, we just know we need to do something. And as we are moving forward, as clouds are parting and we're seeing a little bit clearer, we, we know that we can't stay here. And even if hearing all of those things from political to, to the racist stuff, and if you have a little bit of extra compassion in you, or um, just an, a little bit more open heart to sit and just have inquiry on even why those feelings come up. I think it's a great start, whether it's negative or positive. So some of the things that, you know, prior to even having a hard conversation or um, calling out, we first have to deal with ourselves, right? And, and I, you know, from what I have seen is a lot of people are just uncomfortable. You feel like you're, you know, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. But the thing is the feathers have been flying right now. Like they're flying and you're gonna make mistakes, but it's okay if you make mistakes. Learning, that is part of the journey. So it's okay as long as you're moving and your intention is there of seeing us all unite and seeing it, <laughs> each individual as human beings and everyone around you and holding them accountable, that is gonna be the only way because this is not, it's not gonna be pretty. It's, it's hard, it's heartbreaking, and it's very heavy. So, but we also have to check in. A lot of checking in if it's from <laughs> therapy or meditation um, those have to be a core part of anything that we do. But on the bigger part, on the bigger end of 
paying attention from election and making sure people are registered to vote and and actually diving into these issues and and looking and seeing what are the bills that are out there i think that a lot of us we've taken it for granted and wishing that our elected officials are doing the right thing you know and, and it takes more time for us to again got to get educated right um so so those are some of the things that i can see we'll have to do on from the inner level and then once we do that yeah. and we start doing the work and get educated it's not doing something big like you know i want to go and um i don't know do do a you could do something big but it can start small what's happening in your community what are you doing with your friends if i'm teaching a yoga class and all i'm seeing is white faces how can i make my class more you know diverse in here if you're for example in an online space um online entrepreneurs we go to these conferences and it's like you have one black person on stage you've been me so many times <laughs> and and us calling out call calling them out you know the the organizing being like hey we need to make this more diverse we have to speak out and not only yes um you know black people people of color or if it's just a you know a, a room full of just men or a stage and it's only men speakers where are the women we need all to be represented wherever we are but it only takes when we speak up but then that also comes from again having compassionate empathy yeah when you really truly but then that comes from when you learn and listen to the stories and educating yourself those sequences lead to then you start to have bigger ideas i mean my mom for example was was teaching people who are on probation meditation for years yeah yeah you know or I love ET and what he does and going to the inner city schools and giving them motivation and talking to them yeah. where nobody else is going. Yeah. Their ideas, the more you care, the more way, the more you want to do something, things are going to start to arise. And I think together we can make the difference because this is the thing. Yes. We know that the black community is suffering and and you know there's so much work to be done but when they're given an opportunity they do change they do rise up to the occasion most of them yeah. but they they're not given those opportunities you know opening doors if you are uh, you're standing by the gate and you can open that gate open it for them and let them in or if you're over there standing and you're already in being like hey what's up with you know we need do you have anybody who's on your team who's black who can actually relate what about your advertising for all these I'll see all these mastermind and it's like nothing but <laughs> nobody looks like me so why would I go making it diverse and because and because of that it only gets better your event gets better your mastermind gets better your yoga classes i remember one time i was in this um i went to this hot yoga and of course i'm like the only black person in there and it was an amazing class but all i could think of was wow this would be so great for that single black mom who 
is worried about her teenage son out in the street. She's working two, two jobs in the hood on food stamps. If she could get that experience, what that would do. So collectively, even by getting these ideas and, and we're gonna come up with things that are awesome. We don't have it all figured out, but together we can make something amazing happen. Mm. You're so beautiful too. You just... <laughs> so one thing that I want to, I don't want to leave the episode without sharing. Even when I was down with this injury, which literally brought me to my knees, um, it was maybe like a week that I still didn't serve you. I was still making your coffee every morning, like this morning. Bring it to Europe. Why, Low thank key, you. My wife is a cuddle monster. Like she likes to get in her little spot and, you, and our son is the same way. Brayden is all about that comfy, comfy. And um, so since I have you here, you can share what your, your favorite coffee is. Lion's mane? <laughs> oh wait 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 okay you're not even there you're not even there so you don't you just get the final cup but the lion's mane coffee is your favorite yes lion's mane coffee is my favorite i absolutely like i we vein no, i'm just, kidding. <laughs> <It's in laughs> just give it to me i think at this point in the morning i'm just like coffee yeah sometimes just i'll be talking coffee. about something and she will be like coffee that would be her response. Or I mean, you take so long. I mean, why? Baby. Sorry. See, she, she, needs that, she needs that hitter quickly. Um, but so we do the Lion's Mane, which Lion's Mane University of Malaya found to stimulate neurogenesis. So the creation of new brain cells is crazy. And it's been found in clinical trials to be effective for traumatic brain injury. So it really is great for your brain. It's great for Thinking, that's what it's really all about. Lion's Mane is for that optimal brain performance, but it's combined with, it's dual extracted, by the way, you have to make sure it's dual extracted, alcohol extract and hot water extract, all together in one with organic coffee through Four Sigmatic, which is just our favorite thing ever. So foursigmatic.com forward slash model, you get 15% off everything they carry. They also have a Cordyceps coffee formula. Cordyceps is good for that sports performance. You got massive clinical evidence now with cordyceps being able to improve uh, cell oxygenation and stamina. So endurance specifically, being able to go longer, stronger. So definitely check them out. It's foursigmatic.com forward slash model. Get 15% off everything they carry. Our son Braden is super into their Rishi hot cocoa mm -hmm. right now. Uh, he That's his jam. That's it his is. morning jam. He had it today as well. So they got great stuff. Uh, for your kids as well. Mushroom elixirs, if you're not into coffee, they have the hot cocoa and they also have the straight mushroom elixir itself. So again, check them out, forcingmatic.com forward slash model for 15% off. And did you have any parting things to share with everybody before I let you go? But I'm actually not gonna let you go at all, you know this. Never. <laughs> Never. Um, we know, I think black people, we know it's a lot. It is a lot. It's 400 plus years of a lot of hurt, suffering. It's, it's a lot of pain. It's a lot of things to process, especially for those. And I'm only speaking again, I'm only speaking for those who feel called to do something. I know it's a lot, um, but know that it is not up to just you. There's so many amazing, educators, 
so many people who are standing standing aside and have a lot of information also to share so you don't have to feel you have to do it all mm. and it's just doing your part in you with yourself your family members your community of course when you get called to doing something bigger if it, if it aligns or not whatever resonates with you so whatever has fired you up through this whole injustice route that you've awakened to that is calling for you for me it's lately it's been education i had no idea about our education system and finding how can i be of service in those areas or learning more about it so it's we will provide um resources in the show notes on you know from books and things that you know you want to read on how to be anti-racist and or just learning more about our history and and the struggle because when you learn then you understand our pain and when you understand our pain you can show up better for us when we are not able to show up for ourselves but it's a, it's going to be a journey and taking your time to take care of yourself and also having those deep conversations because the best way we've learned about learning is you watch it you read it and then you share it yeah. you know like sharing it with the friend like did you know such and such or if you have um your black friend you're like i didn't understand this part i read this book and but is that how you guys feel or i didn't understand this that is the only way i can see us moving forward those deeper conversations and from there things will slowly sprout and um we can get to where we're supposed to get to which is we're visionaries we're all we're in a time right now where things are shaking things are moving and visionaries are getting to see a bigger brighter more just world and we get to play a part in that but it takes it's going to take to go through this mugginess the uncomfortability to get to where we need to get to and it's it's going to call in for all of us as much as we can um like my mom said and I'll close with that is this is a matter of the heart it's not a matter of the head it, a lot of it does not make sense when you use your head and you have to go back to your heart if anything's made you uncomfortable during this conversation just go back to your heart cuz at the end of the day we are human we love we have a family that we are raising to to be loving to every individual that we meet and i know that you are too so let's meet there at the heart oh, i love you so much thank you for that baby that's powerful powerful um I would say that I look forward to talking to you again soon, but I want to talk to you a whole lot more and I love you and I appreciate you. Uh you are the most remarkable human being I've ever met on every level and um thank you. Like you've inspired me so much today. Like you have no idea. Can't wait to talk to you more. And you got to come back. All of us people are going to make sure we're going to demand that Anne comes back <laughs> on the show. All right? Thank you, baby. You're welcome. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. Um I just want to say this, I will stand with you. 
if I ever am in your presence and there is an injustice that you are facing, I got your back. I will stand with you. And that's what this is about ultimately. Again, we've gotten into this place where we've made this into a political machine, a political football, pointing fingers and not looking at the quality of character. And this is a matter of the heart. What does your heart say? I don't care if the conversation is about the president of a family, the head of the family, the president of a corporation or the president of a country. We have to speak out about injustice and we cannot continue to accept that these things are just business as usual and normal. They're not normal. And the great news about that not being normal, quote normal, is us creating a new normal, right? Being able to have all this stuff come to the surface. And I'm tired, guys, I'm tired. And I know you are too. I'm tired of choosing between the lesser of evils. Is that where we're at? Is that the standards that we're gonna carry? Let's demand better. And for us to do that, we really have to tune into our hearts and for us to acknowledge the pain the struggle, the strife, the suffering of other people. Because if they're suffering anywhere, that suffering is going to be felt everywhere at some level. You know, if we're looking at quantum mechanics and string theory and all that stuff, we are literally all connected here. We're literally from the same source. We're made of the same stuff. But we are continually evolving as a species. That's our job. That's our role. That's what we're here. We're here to push humanity forward. And sometimes for us to do that, we have to address the problems, the things that have been holding us back from reaching our greatest potential. And so asking more of our leaders, asking and demanding greater character within our leaders. And of course, creating that character within our own homes. It starts at home for sure. However, it extends out to our community and vice versa. We have to be able to touch our community, to reach our community, to invest in our communities and invest in our own homes. And thanks to my wife sharing this and bringing it back continuously to self-care. We're talking about the level, of, the level of empathy that we've been experiencing for all the different strife that's been going on in the world. It can be emotionally draining, absolutely. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to get ready for the mission ahead. That's gonna require you to be strong. It's gonna require you to be mentally and physically capable at the same time, that emotional agility is key as well. And she brought up data from uh, Daniel Goldman, which is amazing, that's why I love this woman. But Daniel Goldman was one of my all-time favorite guests, all-time favorite moments on this show. He's such an inspiration and hero of mine. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. The topic of emotional intelligence, he literally wrote the book on it. And um, I think it'd be very valuable in this situation as well because this isn't just about being tough. This isn't about going one direction because I'm pro intelligence in all facets of life and not getting into the realm of ridiculousness. So we stand up for character. We stand up for equality. We don't go so far that it was just Father's Day. Now, already Father's Day, honestly, let's be honest. Let's just be honest, not a big deal, okay? Historically, we'll get the tie, maybe a mug, a little handwritten letter. Handwritten letters are honestly my favorite. I still have Jordans, my daughters. I love the handwritten letters. This year, my oldest son has a job. He bought me some Nikes, man. He bought me some shoes. I was like, I like this Father's Day thing now. But honestly, Father's Day is already not a big deal, but 
there's like people saying, you know, Father's Day is offensive to single mothers. You know, like we could find places to be offended by everything today. Absolutely. And our points are valid still. But we need to be able to tether that line between being ridiculous and hurting ourselves with our ideas and being open-minded and looking at the bigger picture and how things affect the whole. Because the micro matters and the macro matters. You feel me? The micro and the macro both matter. And you practicing and working on yourself, employing meditation, right thinking, right nutrition, taking care of yourself, getting adequate sleep, building healthy relationships, but training your mind, you're going to be able to better traverse those situations. And that's one of the things that I've really worked on is understanding that there's this acute thing happening, but there's also a bigger picture. And being able to move and maneuver and look at things from a broader perspective has been incredibly valuable. And also being able to zoom in and look at what is the root of this thing has been incredibly valuable as well. To do that just takes that work, working on yourself, more so than learning about what's going on in the world, learn about what's going on with you. That is the most important mission of the day. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for um, being a part of this conversation today. I really want to just have this conversation to also give some tangible, actionable things to do, but just to broaden our horizons, you know, to, to lean into the discomfort a little bit and talk about some stuff that, you know, people are easily like, this is, these are very sensitive subjects. And unfortunately, those are the, the things that keep us from going to the next level if we're not willing to talk about them. And I just appreciate you so much for joining me in this conversation today. If you got a lot of value out of this, please share this out with your friends and family on social media. Of course, you can tag me. I'm at Sean Model on Instagram. I'm at The Model Health Show on Facebook. And I'm also on Twitter from time to time as well. I'm at Sean Model there too. And again, I appreciate you so much. We've got some powerful, epic, epic episodes, some incredible guests coming your way very, very soon. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes, you can find transcriptions, videos for each episode, and if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome, and I appreciate that so much. And take care, I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.